I had. Good morning. I'm glad to be here. You know, it's been a while since I've had an opportunity to do this, so buckle up. <laughs> yep, we're going to be here a while, so I hope you packed a lunch. Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just mostly kidding. Um, so, anyway. <laughs> mostly kidding. Uh, isn't it sweet to listen, uh, to be in serves today and hear the sweet little chirps and cackles and giggles and squeals of little ones? You're welcome here. You're welcome. Let them squeal. Doesn't bother me. So we're so glad uh, that you're here in God's house this morning. I want to tell you, I've been sort of sequestered up here uh, just out of caution. Uh, my wife is the nurse at the primary school that was closed. So... Um, that's, I, I understand that's difficult for me because you may not have noticed, but I'm an extrovert. <laughs> not only am I an extrovert, I'm an extrovert wrapped in extrovert with extrovert feeling. So I'm an extroverted extrovert, and it's hard for me to do that. So, um, but uh, out of just an abundance of caution, that's what I'm doing. Let me tell you what I'm doing about these things, too. I know most of you see these things, and it's, you get this knot in your stomach, some of you feel nauseated, <laughs> some of them just, it elicits strange emotions like yelling and hollering and phantom signs with your fingers. Well, I'm going to tell you, I'm not scared of COVID, I'm not afraid of it at all. I've been vaccinated and washed in the blood. Well, let me tell you, I want to consider the needs of others as greater than my own. So I'll carry my mask with me, and I'm, when I'm with someone who's wearing a mask, I put my mask on. And that's not for me, that's for them. Because I just think that's the way Jesus would do. Just me. So I've got my mask, and so when I'm around you, I'll probably put it on anyway because of my present circumstances. But that's... That's how I feel about that. And I wish you'd pray through that and consider that as well. All right, but that's enough of that. We are in the midst of a sermon series entitled Satan's Greatest Lies. You know, the things that keep us from heaven, basically. And I just want to go back over that list with you where we've been uh, for a while. The first lie we talked about was on uh, Independence Day. We talked about the lie of Christian nationalism. The difference, uh, you know, that uh, Christian nationalism versus patriotism. Then we talked about the lie that Satan tells us. It's so effective that all roads lead to heaven. Or that there are many roads that lead to heaven. It's just a lie. It's not. We talked about truth is what you want it to be. Is another lie Satan uses to keep us from heaven. Another lie Satan uses is that it's all about you. You know, we have people that even preach that we're all, once we become followers of Christ, we're all little gods. Lies. We heard that, the, uh, we confronted the lie that it's your body, you can do what you want. And then last week we talked about, you got plenty of time. All these lies that Satan uses to keep us from coming to uh, and being coming to an understanding of who we are compared to the God who created us, 
and understanding that we need salvation. Who we are in light of, of who God is. We need that. Uh, these are the lies that Satan uses, and they're so, so effective. And for the most part, what we've been talking about in this sermon series are those lies that keep us from that relationship, or, or from, from understanding our need for Him, our understanding who we are compared to God, and our need for Jesus as our Savior. The lies, these lies keep us from that point of recognition and then our coming to a decision that we can't do it on our own. We can't save ourselves. We need a Savior, and that's Jesus. That's what, for the most part, these lies talk about. But what I want to talk about today is this, some of you here today or in the sound of my voice who may be watching us online, you may still be struggling with lies like this. And I'm, and I'm telling you, understand that they are just that. They're lies. That there is a God who created you and a God who loves you and a God who saved, who wants to save you and has provided that salvation is just right there within your grasp. Amen? Amen. But there are some of us here, many of us here, who have come to that point where we've called out to God and we've said, we need you, Lord. We need your salvation. And you enter into that place and God miraculously, miraculously saves you through His Son, Jesus, but then that's where it stops. We become stagnant because there's another inexhaustible list of lies that Satan uses to keep us from relationship with God, to keep us from living in the joy that God has meant for us, to keep us from experiencing and living the abundant life that the Bible talks about for those who believe. What about you? What about me? What about us? What about we believers? What lie are you struggling with today? We're going to look at a story today. A story of Jesus and the paralytic at the well, just the well of Bethesda, just inside the Sheep Gate in the old city in Jerusalem. And as we look at that, we're going to under, we, we will understand, we will talk about, we will kind of flesh out this very concept. This story illustrates lies that people who are believers try to believe. Let's pray together. God, here we are in your place, in you, with you. We've called upon you, we've prayed, we've read your word, we've sung uh, hymns and songs, uh, giving you praise and glory and honor and making much of who you are. We've heard the testimony of this one, this Gideon missionary, and how your word changes people's lives, the truth of your word. I pray God now, that we would focus in on who you are, the truth of your word. The answer to all of Satan's lies. And it's in Jesus' name I pray.
Amen. Now, I would like to uh, read with you, if you would, uh, the full story that Tony read a verse from. It's in John chapter chapter 5, the Gospel of John chapter 5. And we're going to look at verses 2 through 9. John chapter 5, verse 2 through 9. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version. You read from your version. And then we want to talk about that in just a second. The versions, all right? John chapter 5, verse 2 through 9. Let's read together. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda. Some say Bethsaida um, or Bethesda. Anyway, if you say those two together quickly, you will tie your tongue in a proper knot. Which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there, and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, Do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? Sort of a strange question if you think about it. Do you want to be healed? Verse 7, the sick man answered, Sir, I have no one to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. And Jesus said, Get up. Take up your bed. And walk. And at once, the man was healed. And he took up his bed. And he walked. And now that day, was the Sabbath. Alright, you may have noticed, depending on the, <laughs> the version of Scripture that you have, that the version I just read left out a verse. Alright? Alright, so this is, this is why. Before you think, you know, uh, that was an error, this is why. Not all manuscripts contain that verse. Alright? This is how most versions of the Bible handle that. They either include the verse and then include a footnote that says, not all manuscripts include this verse. Or they exclude the verse and include a footnote that says, here's the verse, but not all manuscripts include this verse. Okay? All right? That was very nerdy. But uh, I have read before and a verse was... uh, uh, it omitted because of that, those reasons, and I was taken to task over that, to which I had to patiently and graciously explain this is why. So, anyway, just to avoid any confusion, that's what. So, but what this verse, verse 3, generally says, essentially says is that the waters at this pool and, uh, called Bethesda inside the Sheep Gate would occasionally stir, right? Occasionally stir. And the folks believed that it was an angel. Some thought, some thought it was a spirit. Those who were, 
more inclined to believe in God, thought it was an angel, that it was an angel stirring the water. And the first person who could get to the place where the water was stirred would be healed of all their infirmities. And so you can see the scene now. Because of that belief, those who are sick and ailing and infirm, the blind, the lame, the impotent, paralyzed, would just be lined up around this pool. And when the waters would stir, the most pitiful sight would occur. These who are broken, hopeless, cast away, would crawl over one another to be the first one to get to the stirred waters, hoping to be healed. Now, do you understand the picture? Jesus comes on the Sabbath to the pool of Bethesda, just inside the Sheep Gate. I've been there, by the way, just inside the Sheep Gate. And they've excavated this area, and it's dry now, but you can go and stand right where that pool is. And there's a church there, and you can go in and sing and worship, and it's just amazing. It's amazing. Um, if you, if you haven't been, you need to go. I know I say that all the time. If you haven't been, you need to go. But he goes in and, he, and, and Jesus comes up to this man and he heals him. But listen, before he heals the man, he confronts the lie that he was trying to believe. He confronts the lie he was trying to believe. Have any of you begun watching The Chosen? This is a video series that is absolutely, incredibly, and creatively done. It is illustrative of the life of Christ. It is amazing. The Chosen. You, if you haven't done that, you need to. Same, about, same thing about going over to visit Israel. If you haven't done this, you need to. Do yourself a favor and watch The Chosen. And I want to show you a clip that illustrates this very scene from Scripture from The Chosen. Let's watch together. This is what all the fuss is about. An oversized mikveh. I have a feeling we haven't seen it all yet. That's him. Who? Him. The one who's been here the longest. But doesn't belong. Sad one. Why do I get the feeling this isn't just a meeting? Do we need to be on the lookout? No. Just stay with me and watch.
שלום. מי? יס. שלום. I have a question for you. For me. I don't have many answers, but I'm listening. Do you want to be healed? Who are you? We'll get to that later. But my question remains. Will you take me to the water? <laughs> Look, I'm having a really bad day. You've been having a bad day for a long time. So? Sir? I have no one to help me into the water when it's stirred up. And when I do get close, the others step down in front of me. And so... Look at me. Look at me. That's not what I asked. I'm not asking you about who's helping you or who's not helping. Who's getting in your way? I'm asking about you. <laughs> I've tried. For a long time, I know. And you don't want false hope again, I understand. But this pool... It has nothing for you. means nothing and you know it but you're still here why I don't know you don't need this pool you only need me So, do you want to be healed? So let's go. Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. I'm 
free to walk, like he said. Don't forget your bed. Why does this matter? Because you're not coming back here. That life is over. Everything changes now. You're not coming back here. That life is over. Everything changes now. So, I've got three questions today. And we'll go quickly. Number one. What is the lie that you are trying to believe? What is the lie that you're trying to believe? The, the paralytic illustrated in this wonderfully done video. Did I, did I tell you it was wonderful? What is the lie that you're trying to believe? The paralytic in this video believed a lie, but it's not what you might think it is. You might think that the paralytic believed that he couldn't walk or that he couldn't be healed or that his only hope was in that pool. But you know what? It was deeper than that. This is what the paralytic believed. Listen. He believed he couldn't change. He believed he couldn't change. It was outside the realm of possibility for him. Life had passed him by. And when he was asked, do you want to be healed? He gave the healer excuses. What excuses are you giving Jesus today that prevent you from being changed? What is it? He'd been paralyzed for 38 years he could barely remember a time that he wasn't crippled. He had spent his whole life and everything he had trying to be healed, trying to be different, trying to be changed. His affliction, his problem, his past had come to define who he was and not the one who made him. What is the lie that you're trying to believe? What about you? Am I, you're too old. You're too young. You've got the wrong education or not enough. You live in the wrong place. You speak the wrong language. You just, you, when, God, when Jesus stands before you and says, do you want to be healed? You give Him excuses. You don't understand. You don't know what I've done. You don't know what's been done to me. You don't know my, about my addiction. <clears throat> the alcohol's too strong. The drugs are too strong. The pornography's too strong. It's all too much for me. I am what I am. I'm just angry all the time. I'm just sad all the time. I'm just in trouble all the time. Excuse, excuse, excuse. And Jesus leans into you and says, but do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed or do you want this? How do you want to be defined? What's the lie? that you're trying to believe. You need to identify it. 
You need to identify the lie that you're trying to believe that keeps you from the relationship and the joy and the abundant life. The blessedness of Jesus Christ and the life that he wants and expects you to live. You need to identify that lie and you need to call it what it is. You need to stare it right in the face and say, you're a lie. I'm not what you say I am. I am a child of God. I'm a child of God. You call it what it is. You're a lie. And you come from the liar, Satan himself. And I know what's in store for him. And that's not what's in store for me. I've got a place waiting for me. I've got eternal life with a God who loved me and created me and saved me. And it starts right now. You tell that lie what it is. You send it back where it came from. Right now. What's the lie you're trying to believe? Question number two. What is the truth then? That God says about that lie. What is it? Well, let's first of all talk about truth. I could spend a sermon series right here, but just real quick. God's Word is the ultimate truth. God's Word is the ultimate truth. Look the book of Psalms, verse 19, 7 through 9. Psalm 19, 7 through the 9. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. Praise God. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. Come on. And the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. The Word of God is truth. Look at 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 says, All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So whatever your situation is, whatever the lie is you're trying to believe, call it what it is, and then speak the truth over it. You look into Scripture, find the truth, and you dispel the evil and darkness of lie and untruth, lies and untruth, with the truth of the perfect, forever living, holy Word of God. And then if that... And if you're still confused, look at Jesus' life. Jesus' life is truth. Look what Jesus said in same book, same gospel, John 14, verse 6. He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. You go to God's Word for the truth. And when it's still confusing to you, you look at the life of Jesus who was the Word made flesh and dwelt among us. 
You call a lie what it is. You identify the lie you're trying to believe. And then you hold it up against the truth of God's Word. And question number three. Alright. How then do I walk in this truth? Uh, Alright, preacher. I, I've identified what the lie is. And I get that the, the Word of God is the truth. And Jesus' life is, illustrates that. Because he, he, he was the Word. And He was living. So there it is. But how do I walk in that? How do I do that? Well, there's a rest of the story to the video and to the passage I just read earlier in John. Read a little bit further. John chapter 5, verse 13 through 15. Look at this. Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was. For Jesus had withdrawn. As where he was was a crowded place. It was, it was crowded in that place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple. He went to church. Boy hadn't walked in 38 years. He was one way. He encountered Jesus. And then he was another way. He went to church and Jesus walked up to him, see, you're well. Sin no more. So nothing worse may happen to you. And the man went away and he told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed, who had healed him. I think you can see right here in these verses what you have to do to walk in that truth. It's not easy. It's not easy at all. <clears throat> but it is absolutely worth it. You've got to ask yourself, first of all, first of all, do I truly want to be changed? Do you really want to give that up? <clears throat> do you really not want to be identified by this any longer? Do you want change? You know, people say, uh, tragically all the time, those who are victims of abuse continue in those relationships because that's all they know. They don't know of anything outside of that. Do you really want to change? Do you believe that you don't need anything but Jesus? Just like Jesus leaned into that paralytic. You don't need that pool. All you need is me. Do you want to be changed? Listen, Jesus didn't die on the cross for you to stay the same. Jesus didn't die on the cross for you to continue to wallow in your pit. Jesus didn't die on the cross for you to continue to be identified by your past. By the sin you've committed. Or the sin that's been committed against you. He didn't die on the cross for that. He died to change you. To make you like Him. To give you an abundant life. Somebody say Amen. So you 
have to answer that question. Ask it truly. Do I want to change? Just like Jesus said, do you want to be healed? And then this is what you do. You follow Jesus. It's a little out of order in the text. No, the text is right in order. (laughs) It's always in order. Uh, What I'm saying is out of order with the text. Follow Jesus. You know, when Jesus said, Sin no more. Don't, leave that life of sin so that nothing more will befall you. Jesus was saying, follow me. Follow me. Following Jesus looks like this. Following Jesus looks like abiding in Him. About, of seeing Jesus as your essence for living. As seeing Jesus as your reason for opening your eyes in the morning. That Jesus is the breath in your lungs. He is what guides every thought and every action, every deed, every motivation, and every attitude. It is that. That is what abiding in Christ is. That I am lost without you. I am a goose in a hurricane without you. I have to have you. So when Jesus says to the man... Don't sin anymore. He realizes, I can't do that. In order for that to happen, I've got to go wherever that guy goes. Follow Jesus. Abide in Him. Live in His Word. Every day. Every day, open up this precious Word. Read it. Believe it. Let it become what guides you. The truth of God's Word. And then, and then be in constant conversation with your Creator, Savior. Your thoughts. If you, are, if you see Jesus that way, that he is your, He's essential for life, and, that you're, and you're living in His Word, then your thoughts become His thoughts. Your words become His words. Your life becomes His life. Follow Jesus. Then you fellowship with believers. What did the guy do when he got healed? He went to church. He went to church. I want to be with other people that Jesus has changed. Not perfect people. Listen, we're not perfect. We're forgiven. We're in the process of becoming like Christ. And it's slower for some than others. Amen? Here we are. Fellowship with believers. This is where we cheer for one another. This is where we hold one another accountable where we pray for one another, where we cry with each other, where we celebrate with each other, and we hold each other in such relationship that we will not allow Satan to break that bond. You fellowship with believers. Then what, are the, what else did the paralytic do? He went and told all the Jews that would listen to him, that guy, Jesus, healed me. He healed me. The, I 
couldn't feel my legs for now on four decades. And he said, get up and walk. And I did. Tell. He told a story. You tell your story. Tell your story. Know your story and tell it. And finally, serve. Serve. You know what? You know what our superpower is as followers of Christ? We don't have a magic rope or a cape or a Batmobile. You know what our superpower is? Love. We love. Our response to everything is to love. And that love is defined by the way Jesus loved. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Jesus said, Just as I have loved you, so shall you love one another. And this is how they will know that you are my disciple, is if you love one another like I have loved you. So, today, what's the lie you're trying to believe? What is it? Identify it. Call it what it is. Then ask, what is the truth God's Word has to say about this lie? And then you honestly seek Him to know how then to walk in the truth. Amen.